Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Hey, hello. Hi. This is Cinebuds. I'm 89's Justin Barney. I'm Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. And today we are talking about Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla vs. Kong is a movie where Godzilla fights against (laughs) King Kong. As the title promises. Monster vs. Monster, the battle of a century. Ring the bell. Can you imagine the uproar if you watch that movie and they never fight? Well, oh my God. I mean, it wouldn't be the movie. It wouldn't be, you'd be, be missing the title. They'd be a liar. So it is Godzilla versus King Kong. The monsters do fight. Yeah. But also, there is a lot of painful backstory. (laughs) (laughs) As is unavoidable, seemingly, with these movies. Look, don't Uh, hesitate. Don't hesitate. Just dig right in, Justin. Man, there's a lot. Um, (laughs) Okay, Polly, what did you think of Godzilla versus Kong? I had a lot of thoughts. Uh, I would say seventy percent negative. I did not mm-hmm. care for this. <laughs> did not care for this movie. And I have Tell a cu- I have a couple. Oh, I have so many, so many reasons. Just give me, just give me some little like. What's the you know? What was your your main main beef? Well, let's start off on a on a note of togetherness because mm-hmm. I agree with you. Um, there were so many. <laughs> Like like five minutes in, there was just a like almost a speech given to try to catch everyone up. It was like, oh my god! It asked you to remember so much. It wanted you to come directly out of the last movie and remember like all of the intricate like bold words, like Hollow Earth theory yeah, and yeah. the Titans, and like asked. And they you to tried to all. yeah, they tried to catch you up very vaguely. But here's the worst thing about wanting you to remember is they're wanting you to remember. Very forgettable movies and very forgettable characters. Absolutely. <laughs> because I was yes. like, oh, yeah, I know she was in one of them. I don't remember which one. I don't remember who she was. Now, because it's not about the humans. Why would we remember that? <laughs> well, yeah, it's <laughs> not about the humans. Kong and, and Godzilla. To, and they want to put in so many humans. <laughs> so many. They that we have to, to like- remember their place in this world. And I'm like, you know what? We need to cut a lot of the people in this movie that are unnecessary. Absolutely. There is so much human drama in a movie that is about two uh, gigantic monsters fighting each other. Which was the same problem with the last Godzilla movie. Absolutely. I think was 2017-ish. No, before then. I don't remember. Again, so, forgettable. <laughs> right. So I did so not care for this movie. There? Yeah, let's so you did start. not care. I did not care okay. for this movie. I thought that this movie was okay for what it is. I bad. bad? Well, I, <laughs> it's okay for a bad movie. It's okay for a bad movie. And I, I think that like so much of what they are asking you to do and what they are requiring you to remember, I think is silly and frivolous. And yeah. I think that like the past five years, maybe six or seven years of these movies where yeah. it's trying to like build the Titan universe and it's trying to pull painstakingly all of these people that it wants you to remember. I think that's silly. And I think that like what all of these movies have done like fairly well is like have really great monster fights. And I think like at, uh, at like some of all of these movies, when it gets to the monsters fighting, that is fun. And I think that like when these monsters fight, when they get to like Hong Kong and it's like lit very beautifully and it like looks cool. I think that the monsters fighting is definitely the highlight of this movie that you go into wanting monsters to fight. And I think that they, um, that then they just try to fill it with a bunch of nonsense Yeah, that they could cut. But Christopher. Yes. In preparing for this movie, yeah. not only did I watch Godzilla versus King Kong, yeah. I watched 
five versions of each movie. <laughs> of each I, movie. Of each movie. And in the podcast, I will decide which we are going Gorilla versus Kong as franchises, where we will actually decide mm. a winner of which franchise is better, King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh-oh. Oh, I see some problems. I can't. I- have prepared (laughs) yeah you have you sure have when we get back from the break we are going to go into kong versus godzilla as franchise we'll probably talk a little bit more about uh godzilla versus kong as well yeah i do have some thoughts okay um we will be right back support for cinebuds comes from your membership and associated bank proud supporter of milwaukee film and offering support year-round through milwaukee film checking More about Associated Bank's commitment to the Milwaukee community at AssociatedBank.com. Member FDIC. Help Radio Milwaukee grow and we'll help you get your garden started. Donate any amount this month at RadioMilwaukee.org slash donate and you'll be entered to win a rain barrel from MMSD and a $50 Plantland gift card. Uh, Before we get started into the meat of our program, uh, we want to remind everybody that we have a very special event coming up on April 21st at 7 p.m. It's Cinnabud's very first live show. Woo! We've been wanting to do a live show for uh, literal years. I've tried to get us to do it at the festival multiple times, and it has not happened. We were were getting close. It's pandemic problems. We were getting close. Yeah. um, (laughs) But we are finally doing Cinnabud's live we are watching the movie shiva baby and we want you to watch it too it is the best thing about shiva baby i mean we both watched it and think that it's a good movie which is why we're doing it it's also it's on sofa cinema and it's like an hour and 16 minutes it is a perfect tight yeah less than an hour and a half it's tight 80 70 you know yeah yeah so uh watch shiva baby and then come to the live pod with us April 21st, 7 p.m. You can find it on both of our YouTube and uh, Facebook channels. Okay, let's get into Godzilla versus King Kong. Sure. So Godzilla versus King Kong is kind of like the culmination of what they're trying to do with like every single franchise. They're, you know, they're trying to franchise everything and have all of the, you, you know, they want you to buy into this Titan universe that I think no one is buying into. They want they want us to like understand and buy into like this lore so that they can make like a million um, things. But the thing is that like Godzilla and King Kong has been franchises forever without like really without needing this like Titan theory. And then like also the hollow earth theory, which is just dumb here. uh, Let me, let me say two things. One. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to build like a Marvel universe where it's like, oh, this movie references that one, and then they all come together. Yes. You can't do that when you really only have two recognizable entities, mm-hmm. and then you just throw these actors that I genuinely believed it was a coincidence that one, I didn't even realize they were building this world that they were supposed to come together until like two years ago, after like three, I don't know how many movies there were. You really have to be paying attention in a yeah. way that... You have to like write it down. You That's, shouldn't have to for right. these movies. It's it's not it's not a a world you can build. Uh, at least it, not in the way that they did it. But I will say that the Hollow Earth theory part. I was like, <laughs> you know what? If they would have done this better, I would be much more fascinated by it. Because when you when you go into it. It's like that's it's a very sci-fi element beyond the fact, obviously, that you have huge monsters. Obviously, you're in sci-fi, but everything else is around technology and it's mildly realistically played out. Mm-hmm. But then you get this super sci-fi part where there's a literally a whole world and there's like a couple different creatures. They don't only throw like one extra creature at you and you're in there and there's this flow, oh, this gravity element that I actually found kind of interesting had they had they used it better. So you just get a drop of that. And then apparently you have to go through this whole rigmarole to get to it. But Godzilla could just burrow, burrow through down. it with a laser. <laughs> I know. It's like, why didn't you just do that? That's ridiculous. It's like, it has like very specific access points yeah. that you can uh, like, <laughs> and one of them is only get force. to and you can map out. And then Godzilla just like, it's like, Oh no, you can just drill to the, you can just drill through to it. Yeah. Did you guys not know about the mouth laser? Yeah, yeah, just, just use your mouth laser and you'll yeah. get right to it. 
I think the I think the uh, the hollow earth theory is um is difficult to follow. It's difficult for me to buy into because it just is a little too conspiratorial for me. They also explained the whole thing in a different movie and you're never going to remember that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and also I think they have a really tough time with this like Titan theory where they want to they want they want King Kong and Godzilla to be heroes. You know, they like the the this like Titan theory that they have. It's just like honestly like it it spends it's silly. It seems silly just like diving into this dumb plot device. Yeah. But it's like the this Titan theory is that they these Titans are like protecting the world. And so they want you to like they want you to like cheer for them as heroes. But every time they like come up on the earth, they end up causing an absolutely extravagant amount of human damage. Yeah. And like they're fighting in Tokyo and they're fighting in all these places and Hong Kong. And they are just like causing absolute mayhem. But somehow they want you to um, cheer for them. And yeah. somehow they're like they're the heroes that are like protecting the world. It's just, it's, it's a little, it's, you can't, you can't have that both ways. I do. I do want to point out a funny thing that a funny way that they tried to very economically and quickly explain that to you in this movie, because there's no hero aspect except for King Kong at some point, but there's like, no one recognized them as heroes in this movie. In this part of the movie, it's just like, Oh, Godzilla has gone crazy and he's not a hero anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, but they immediately establish King Kong as the hero because yes. they you, they humanize him instantly. He wakes up, he yawns, it's adorable. He you scratches he scratches his butt. Yeah, we can all relate to that. And he takes a shower under a water. He's got those great um, like old school soundtrack. He's got like a great soundtrack yeah. every time he's playing. That's like very pleasant. Yeah. So he's okay. He's a good guy. We already like him. Great. And then there's a you see Godzilla way too quickly in this movie. By the way. Like they oh, just yeah. you see throw him out, really. they throw him at you, and they then and then uh, there's a headline on a newspaper that says Godzilla no longer <laughs> the world's hero, and I'm like, oh, that's that's like in the old days where they just swirl a newspaper at the camera, yeah. and they're like, Godzilla is a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, well, I guess we've already established that. Don't give us any credit as <laughs> viewers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't even like <laughs> notice that because it's trying to do. It's trying to like do that in so many things. And yeah. the thing that like it, they're trying to explain so much human behavior and so much, they always try to give like so much agency to Godzilla and Kong about like why they're doing these things, which is like, ugh. but they, they like the one thing they don't really explain is why they're fighting each other. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like they give so much exposition into the like why you need this guy in this corporation to fight against them to like yeah. be a competitor with them and like all this other stuff and it's like the only reason why they're fighting is like well they are natural enemies yeah <laughs> and they go, well, well for thousands of years they have fought oh, against each other in the yeah. hollow earth you know like in in real life how uh gorillas and lizards hate each other Right, 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 right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, they don't explain that. They briefly explain why Godzilla's mad all of a sudden, and then, but that doesn't make sense. Like he's mad because we're trying to replace him. Like, how does he know that? I do love King Kong. I like him in the movie. I do like the fighting, but I like King Kong as a character. Genuinely enjoyed him. He's. I love a gentle giant. He's not gentle at all. No. <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's just a giant. But I liked him. I don't know why, but I liked him. And I mean, because they're trying very hard to get you to like him. Yeah, and they really, they really want, they really, really try to humanize Kong. I mean, like this, it's this, in this too, iteration yeah. of Kong versus Godzilla, it's really a King Kong movie more than anything else. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's for really sure. like King Kong is the that. nice guy versus Godzilla is is the bad guy. Is right. like how they want to posit this movie. But yeah, they want you to like him. They want you to like Kong. I fully acknowledge that the most of the ways that they try to get you to like him are super cornball. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a little mm -hmm. kid who who can this, the butt scratch. Talk, talk to him. The butt scratch. No, that's perfect. That's the best <laughs> that maybe the best part of the movie. Um but they're a little cornball, but they kind of worked on me just that part of it. Because I was just also desperate to find something to cling to. I mean I think that like the fight scenes are fun. 
I think like you're watching like Kong vs. Godzilla and you want a fight scene. And I think especially in the last couple of years of these, um, I think the fight scenes have been really great. I have been, I have like really, I really want to like these movies. Yeah. I really want to like Kong vs. Godzilla. I think it's fun. I really like, I like nature. I like this like sci-fi aspect of it. I, I just like kind of like the idea of it. And I think it's a really interesting concept that some movies do well, which we will get into because we are going to analyze all yeah. the King Kong Godzilla oh, movies. Boy. Um, but uh, in these ones, they just like don't do a great job. But the fight scenes are good, and I thought like some of the fight scenes in this were entertaining in the way that they want you to be entertaining. Yeah, um, I will say two two quick small criticisms, but I think they're funny. Is that um, the, the the technology in this movie is so futuristic and so high tech? You have a room full of bright buttons and and everything, and it's just insanely high tech. And yet these side characters that are on this little adventure uh, decide that if they can figure out the password, they can shut down Mecha Godzilla, which is this big robot Godzilla. He actually says, if I can get the if I get the password, I can maybe shut him down. I'm like, that should not be that easy. I don't think it's that easy. In fact, it was even easier. You just had to spill some water on the control panel. Like it That's was good. a like it was an Abbott and Costello movie. It, yeah. And that worked. And that worked. That was the dumbest part of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just spill. Yeah, like 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 the first computer. If you breathe on it, it'll stop working. Can we talk about uh, Kong Skull Island? Are we there yet? Tell me when we're there, and uh, then I'll start talking again. You know, I, I and I'm just gonna get to that at the end. So <laughs> I, I think we're. I think we've talked Godzilla versus Kong enough, and in preparation for this and the movie. I, I think it's fun that these are like the original franchises, yeah. you know, and, and things that people are trying to like, everything is trying to be a franchise now. And these were like the original movies and franchises. And I think that it is fun to go back in. And I was like, if they, we're doing Godzilla versus Kong, we should do Godzilla versus Kong them as franchises. And so I have this whole past week. Every single day I've watched either a Kong or a Godzilla movie in the franchise. And I want to go Kong versus Godzilla as franchises head to head. And I want to do, so I'm going to do like three movies from each franchise, each kind of like big pivotal moments of the franchises. And so for Kong, we're going to go, we'll start at the beginning. Um, Godzilla versus Kong King Kong, the original King Kong in 1933, will go up against Godzilla 1954, the originals. Have you seen either? Yes, a long time ago, but I, I have recently read about uh, some of them, so I have some thoughts. <laughs> Kong 1933, it's the first one. Uh, I watched it earlier this week, and uh, watching it for 1933... It is impressive. Yeah. It is like a if if you were in 1933 and you saw Kong, you saw uh, King Kong, I could see why this would be I understand why it is the franchise, why it is the movie that it is. It is big. It's an adventure movie. It has King Kong and the I they spend a lot more time on the island that I thought. There is a lot of monster fighting in the original King Kong. Yeah. I would not have thought that. I thought that it was just going to be like mostly human, spend a lot of time in New York. But the original King Kong is is very linear. And, and they go from New York. They go to, uh, they don't call it Skull Island. They, it's Skull Mountain. Yeah. At that time, that's on the island. They see King Kong and they spend a lot of time there. And then they come back to New York briefly. And I thought that it was like minus like a bunch of the, you know, problematic stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that like as a movie, it is like the plot is compelling and that it goes through and it's it's hard to like remove it from some of that problematic stuff. Yeah. It ends on a really, really cornball line which is it was you know and it's in like every single king kong movie twas beauty that killed the beast oh yeah yeah that's a <laughs> super famous line yeah yeah 
The way that it's delivered in that, it just like really lands with a thud. <laughs> and I mean, it's like he looks like directly at the camera. He like puts his fingers on his lapel and he is like, it's like he's got this punchline that he's waiting to say, "'Twas beauty that killed the beast in all like 1933 chumminess. Uh, I really kind of killed it. For me. I love that cheesiness of that era. Like I, that would not have bothered me for a second, just because I, I can accept it in the context of the time and that movie and that style. For yeah. Some, for some reason, I just embrace that. It's like, oh yeah, nailed it. However, <laughs> however, since you you uh, we talked a little bit about it, but um, mm. yeah, the. I, I, at first, when I heard that King Kong was really considered a very racist allegory, I thought, well, that may be reading into it. And then I read more about it. And there are tons of very, very trustworthy <laughs> intellectuals and journalists who've read, read about it and are written about it. And uh, wow, when they really lay it out, it is really obvious. Uh, there's some really difficult <laughs> um, metaphors in that movie. And once you once you read about it, it ruins it. And I'll tell you, and it really does. It does. Yeah. I looked into it because we were considering doing a King Kong uh, shirt for Milwaukee Film. Yeah, um, we're climbing up the Oriental Theater, and I thought that might be fun. Yeah, that's not that's not fun. It turns out, I, and then someone just offhanded referenced that you know that's kind of a. Uh, considered kind of a racist film. And then I looked it up and read about it. I was like, I will never make that shirt. I did not can, consider the implications at all. Can and you I'm, go into yeah. a bit of, of what people have said? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm to look at the original too. Uh, they, t- they talk about it as an anti-colonialist allegory in which Kong is like this proud and untamed warrior Um kind of a free soul, but then he's mm-hmm. kidnapped, taken in shackles across the ocean for the amusement of white people. And the Absolutely. white people are really portrayed as these de- debaucherous, you know, cigar smoking, yeah. uh, big wigs and then, and kept in chains. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when you put in the element of uh, he's attacked viciously because he took a white woman. Yes. And then all the racist metaphors of having, you know, the gorilla and everything, which is yes. horrendous. Um, it's like, yeah, it's like really simply laid out. I was like, oh, yeah, convinced. <laughs> like yeah. That's the easy way to convince. It's just laid all out. So there's that. So it's like, oh, yeah, that, that's not a good symbol for us to, to use whatsoever, which is interesting because I do think that story and that that was really like uh, – just that first one. I feel like later on they kind of got away from that type of like in the new ones. Oh, well, they do not. You don't. They, 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 they do not. Oh, that's unfortunate. We'll get there. <laughs> um, they. I mean, they really. I think the thing about King Kong is, and the King Kong series. I'm going to talk about 1933, 1976, and 2005, which yeah. were all kind of like the big remakes of Kong. Yeah, and they were all kind of like doing that thing. And the thing that kind of like keeps them together is the consistency. Is that it is? It is the, the same story. Ones? Do you think? Oh the yeah. Rec- the, like, oh, the, one- the recent, the like 2000, the like, mo- like the mo- Skull like, Island. Skull Island. Ugh. Who even knows? Yeah. Who cares? Generally, the story seemed a little bit different and a little bit taken away from it. But I, again, once you lay it out, it's much easier to see. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, it's like, it's really hard to separate it from that. And yeah. I think like in, you know, ultimately, I think that's what like really hurts Kong as as a series is like, it's really hard to be, you know, sympathetic to this franchise when right. it has so many like undertones like that. And really like in then in that first one, it is like there's a female character in there because they're very exp- like very straightforward about their like just needing to be a pretty face yeah. and audiences need to see a pretty face. Right. I mean, it is that like 1933 cheesiness um, that, that, uh, you know, that shows itself. And, and, you know, ultimately like when King Kong is at the top of the empire state building in the original 1933 and the planes are coming and they're shooting him, uh, you feel that. I mean, you feel for Kong in the moment, or I felt it. You know, I was like truly sad when they are yeah. they are like shooting Kong at the top of this thing, and it like when he when he dies as he does at the end of like all the major remakes of it. <clears throat> I mean that it hurts, and it 
it is, and they portray it as being like, it is beauty that killed the beast. It's yeah. like his, you know, his craven hunger for uh, established white beauty that, you know, is the thing that did him in, which is just, <laughs> you know, which, yeah, which is just in reality, fraught. what killed him was all those planes and bullets. <laughs> I know. I, that was I like, mean, I'm pretty I sure it's a, the bullets that I think mainly that's the did thing that the killed job. me is like, yes, is what they're like, it is beauty that killed the beast, not us going to where he lived taking him out of his of his home putting him in chains agitating him and then shooting him <laughs> it was yeah. beauty that killed the beast we love to change history even as right. it happens <laughs> okay so that's the 1933 version the 1976 version of King Kong is a pretty true to the original remake, except it's got Jessica Lange and Jeff Bridges who have so much good on-screen chemistry and they are so good that like, if you are watching it as a movie, I think that the 1976 version, we talked about it a bit in the past, I think is a really good like blockbuster at the beginning of the blockbuster era. It does kind of like, it has a bunch of the beats like very, it's like very similar to Jaws in how it like explains that story and how it brings them in. Jessica Lange is great. Jeff Bridges is great in it. But the things where they stray away from like the original narrative is just to kind of like busy things up. They spend a lot more time in New York. They spend a lot more time on like Jessica Lange and Jeff Bridges as being like heartthrobs together, which at sometimes it works because they're so good. Um, ultimately, it like kind of confuses things. It's still like not a horrible movie, but um, it's not great. Yeah, I've heard also it's like a weirdly sexualized version of King Kong. Oh. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, They also, I'm glad you brought that up. In the like original, they don't like spend too much time on like Godzilla, but that one is, or I mean, on King Kong, that one like relies a lot on like the the facial expressions of like a 1976 technology um, puppeted face, which is like very, it's the most sexualizing of. A character as as we get um, with big like horny, sexualized big horny line. gorilla, big horny gorilla, yeah. definitely. And then the last one that I wanted to focus on for King Kong was the 2005 version, yeah, um, which has Jack Black, who is a national treasure, and we should <laughs> cast him in nearly everything that we have. He kind of like perfectly fits that like 1933 like kind of like. Yeah, you know, that, that, that candor and that yeah. kind of like overacting in a way that, that yeah. I think really works. I think Jack Black is, is the like best part of that movie. Yeah. Have you seen that one? I have. I will. I like to say the thing that stuck out that I remember most from that movie is again, I, I can suspend my disbelief all day, but when mm-hmm. he's got a hold of Naomi Watts and he is swinging through the jungle, I was like, yeah. that woman's head would have snapped off within oh, yeah. the first two seconds. He's oh, totally. whipping her around like a Barbie doll, and there's no way her neck is not broken. Totally. Yes. I was um, amazed at the end when absolutely. she's just like, oh, I'm a little dizzy. The things that I like about King Kong 2005 is that it it like it really honors the original. There is a lot – like I watched that in 2005 without having seen the original and without having seen 76 – and there are these like these moments in the 33 one where they try to they tr- they like create a love interest on the ship and it just like does not work. And yeah. I mean it's like the guy is like he comes on onto the ship and he is like there is you know the beautiful um you know our our beautiful female character she's on the boat and he's like you know women are an issue. <laughs> <laughs> like basically, like he's like, yeah, it's always a problem having a woman around, and she's like, oh, why? And he's like, that's just how women are, yeah. you know. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's really, really difficult. <laughs> and I think like the 2005 version handles that pretty well, in that it 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 is a movie about making the original movie in a way, and there are a lot of lines that are taken straight from it. And it it like it has almost every single beat that the 1933 one has. Almost that entire movie is in there. They don't spend too much time in New York like the 76 one does. It doesn't like busy that up. It's kind of straightforward. They spend a lot of time 
on the island as they did in the 1933 one. There are a lot of great monster fights. The action in the 2005 version is great. The the thing that is that really kind of like the 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 only like bad part of the 2005 version is that they they do everything and it is so long. It is three hours long. Well, it's Peter Jackson. He has he's it's Peter Jackson. He's required to make uh, three hour or more movies. And it is like they do have the entire 1933 movie in there, and then they kind of have like the making of the movie, and it is it's pretty exhausting. Yeah. Um. And when that last line comes, Jack Black says, "Twas beauty that killed the beast," but it is not like him probably saying, "It wasn't us. It was yeah. his own craven needs." <laughs> yeah. It is like more of a like a sad and subdued but it still misses the point. Yeah. You know, it is still, it is still an outright lie when he says it <laughs> as it was in the original. <laughs> and so it's like the King Kong series is kind of like, it is consistently consistent. So, and then there's like, you want to talk about Kong's, that was the only, that's all I had for King Kong. There is the Kong Skull Island, which you like John. C. I, I do you want to say, do you want to say your bit? I'm more, yeah. more, yes, I appreciate you allowing me, uh, <laughs> A, a morsel of the podcast <laughs> to chat. <laughs> Thank you, my lord. Um, I will say that, yeah. I, the more I think about it, the more I genuinely love Kong Skull Island. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of different story than the other ones. I feel like um, there's the the human characters they do have are mostly interesting, and they have a different take on it. Um, except for uh, Tom Hiddleston, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. I do not care for him. And he is the most superfluous character. And he's technically, I think, the lead. Yeah. His character is so unnecessary. They could have just made Brie Larson an ex military and journalist. And then yeah. really, because he, he was pointless. However, yes, John C. Riley, I will say, was the best part of the movie. <laughs> he was like the comic relief, and he, but genuinely well acted and some of the best lines. Uh, mm. uh, the best lines in this movie, but I was like, I'll remember that that bit forever. He's great. He plays kind of a crazy guy who's been left there for too long on the island. Yeah, but uh, they have a great comic, uh, uh, comic moments in there, and they have a great, like you said, the when the when the beasts fight each other, it's really good in this one. That maybe my 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 favorite like giant fights. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and Samuel Jackson has a really cool, mean, dark character in it. Uh, it's really well done, and I think it's gotten like not the greatest reviews. And I was actually kind of surprised. It's a very fun movie. It's not like intellectual high ground, but I think that it. I do not think it was great. I think it was yeah. trying so hard to be a 1980s blockbuster. Like all of those, like all the direction, I think is is really. I seemed to, it was like almost seemed like it was making fun of the genre at points, but it definitely was not. I, 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 and all the, all the dialogue was so flat and I think it was still trying so hard. John C. Riley is, is fine and is funny. They try is fine. Fine is fine. It's absurd. Okay. Um, and that is in the, that movie is in the, like, trying to build the narrative of the Titan universe. Yeah. Um, it's the only one of those films I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to Godzilla, oh, who is, less. is kind of the villain in Kong versus Godzilla. Um, let's analyze it as a franchise. I watched the 1954 original version last night. Yep. Have you watched that one? I do not think so. I am not a big fan of this character. Okay. Um, but I've seen some. I think you need to spend some more time with it. Yeah. I I really do. I, I I feel like I've kind of like always like had uh I've always been like a little more partial to Godzilla, and watching these movies just made me even more partial. The 1954 original Godzilla Gojira, it's not an adventure movie in the way that the original King Kong is, but it is a more serious look at it have it, it was in 1954 like less than 10 years after bombs were dropped on on Japan and uh, if you like you can see that in the movie and the movie struggles and it fights with fallout from 
uh, radiation, to what radiation has done to its community. And it fights with this big metaphor of what do we do with uh, atomic weapons? Do we annihilate them? Do we continue to do this? Or do we learn from them? And if we don't, is this going to be a thing that reoccurs all the time? I think it is like less, it's less action packed, but I think that in that Godzilla, there really is more to it. And they have like, cause Godzilla contains radiation and wherever he goes, it like he leaves fallout. And right. so there are, there are times in that movie where they are like taking a, um, radiation meter to a child and yeah. seeing like, and they go, there are like scenes where it goes from like children who have like, you know, uh, who, who are fallout laden and yeah. it just like kind of like goes through their faces. And it, it, I mean, it is a big commentary on, you know, dropping the bombs on Japan 10 years after that happened. And I think it is just kind of like more impactful because uh, that's true. Back. Like, I will say that I think the idea behind the Godzilla character is better than the idea behind the, the King Kong character. And I like yeah. it's a, a response to nuclear threat and nu- and the problem with nuclear power and, and everything like that. And it's a very interesting way to approach that, that it's palatable for people to absorb. Oh, this is the threat of nuclear, nuclear power. Yeah. So I do like that aspect of it. I will say. And I think if you go like King Kong Godzilla head to head, the originals, and I think King Kong probably is the more entertaining movie, but if you can look past the metaphors and just see it as entertainment, I think King Kong is going to be a more entertaining movie. I don't think that I can do that as like, yeah. you know, and, and in my, in like in my reading at it and looking at it, I, I think the Godzilla one is better because I, I don't want to look past those metaphors. Yeah. You have to so, look at the whole thing. Yeah. So I would give that nod to Godzilla. Let's move on to the second one. The second Godzilla movie is, uh, so King Kong, I looked at 1976, kind of like one of the bigger ones in the Godzilla franchise is the 1998 version. And here, I think we hit an all time low <laughs> in any of the franchises. Is that the one with Matthew Broderick? Yes, it is the one with yeah, Matthew Broderick. Bring it. Do you, I remember watching that. That was like the first Godzilla movie that was like a Godzilla movie to me in my life. Right. And I remember really liking it because I was a kid and Godzilla was cool. And I was like, I saw that it had like a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes and I went to watch it and I was like, this movie is misunderstood. <laughs> I remember it being great. I'm going to watch it and it is going to bring back a lot of good memories and I'm going to love it. And I watched it and it was so so painful to watch. Yeah. <laughs> have That's you watched good. it? Yes, I have. And I have blocked most of it out of my brain. I just remember okay. thinking that's a bad experience I just had. Godzilla in the 1998 version with Matthew Broderick and um, Hank Azaria. Oh, yeah. Uh, Godzilla is the subplot in that movie. And because there is like the biggest plot is this like plot between Matthew Broderick and um his like college sweetheart that like left him without a note and then suddenly he comes back to New York and she sees him on the news and then they like keep on like popping up and being entangled and everyone in that movie is so casual about Godzilla being in New York they like aren't even thinking about it and they are so caught up in like this love story that it is so so exhausting yeah and then also you can tell it's like immediately comes after Jurassic Park where the velociraptors uh, are were like the thing that everyone loved right and so they have this like when they think that they killed the big Godzilla it's all these like little Godzillas that walk like Velociraptors <laughs> they have them like go around in Madison Square Garden and they're like you know clicking their nails and <laughs> are just like they're like you know that really hit with Jurassic Park and people are really gonna love that so like let's do it and it just seems like the worst kind of imitation let me say if there was a movie and you told me nothing about it all you told me that the title was Little Godzilla. Yeah. I would watch that movie. I would buy 10 tickets to the movie and use them all myself. Yes. 
Just the phrase "little Godzilla" delights <laughs> me to, to no end. But yeah, that's the there's a uh, there's a real theme in the Godzilla franchise of Godzilla being kind of secondary to the rest of the movie. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, which can work as we see oh, I hope in the 2016 yes. version. The ultimate of all of these. We go from the lowest low Godzilla in 1998 to the highest high, the best monster movie ever made in any of these franchises, 2016's Shin Godzilla. I have seen this movie, and I'm just looking at it right now while you were talking. I was not listening. I was looking up Shin Godzilla to remind myself because I that is a very, very specific experience watching that movie. Shin Godzilla answers the very simple question of what would we do if a giant monster was very slowly destroying <laughs> our city? <laughs> We checked in on his progress once in a while. (laughs) Yes. I mean, let me be very clear. We occasionally check to see where he is. But the bulk of the film is forming committees. (laughs) Yes. Shin Godzilla is the story of government bureaucracy. And you would think, like all of these movies, Godzilla versus Kong, all the King Kongs, all the Godzilla, they try so hard to get away from bureaucracy because it's seemingly boring. And they instead, they have all of these little side characters of all these like these like singular people that are involved in the like handling of Godzilla versus King Kong. And Shin Godzilla is so interesting because it focuses on what do we do? What, what, what happens? Like the first thing that it shows like all this bureaucracy and so much of it is in boardrooms and it's brilliant because like this Godzilla like thing, it's not Godzilla yet. It is like this kind of like big, dumb looking fish reptile thing that pops up and is like kind of like really slowly moving through the city. (laughs) And then it is like, it goes to like the prime minister of Japan and he's in room with like the secretary department who's in the room with like a bunch of like down bureaucrats. And they're all like pointing fingers at each other and being like, okay, it's your job to get people out. And in all of these movies, it is like in like the 1998 version, like suddenly everybody's out of New York and they're just like blowing up buildings and like you would think that like the blowing up buildings and all that stuff would be exciting but it is most exciting in God's in Shin Godzilla when when Godzilla is moving super slow and he it takes like 5 seconds to slowly topple a parking structure and you wouldn't think that that would be compelling but that watching a parking structure fall in like the way that it would fall you're like oh my god it's because you're also so desperate for action at that point too (laughs) that i could like i'll watch this all day if i just don't have to listen and this is not a criticism because i will say shin godzilla for me is not the most entertaining of the monster movies by a stretch of the imagination i thought (sighs) however it is to me one of the most subversive comedies of all time because you are watching because you're watching a movie with Godzilla being the recognizable part of the title if you're an American and you're like oh another Godzilla movie great and then you are predominantly watching people create committees (laughs) establish action plans and then move literally switch committees and we have to add a new committee and a new, it's like the bureaucracy is the star of the film yes. and you do not expect it. And when I was watching it, I out loud said, what's going on? Why is this uh-huh. happening? Uh-huh. And, I, and I did not, I was not entertained uh, mostly by this movie, but as an idea, when it was over, I was like, that's impressive. <laughs> I was so entertained because I've seen so many iterations of this and it's always like 
what always happens is like a unilateral action by like in Godzilla versus Kong by like Millie Bobby Brown. You yeah. know, it's like some it's like Listen, some, I think she could solve a lot of problems. I if think we that just she could. let her do what she wants to do. But in all of these, it's like somebody who makes no sense is handling the biggest problem that's happening in the world. And like the rest of the world's like kind of disconnected. The cities that they're in are disconnected. And it's like it ends up being the story of like some a couple people acting unilaterally, which is like just not what would happen. And Shin Godzilla is like, you know what would really happen if a thing everyone would be like, who is in charge of this? Who is supposed to take care of this? What is going on? And of course, it would come down to the bureaucracy. It would come down to it would come down to government would have to handle it. And then it's like Shin Godzilla is like, okay, here's a thing that no one ever planned for. How do you handle it? Whose responsibility is it? And it is like a comedy because it's kind of funny seeing like how a committee would react to it. But it is also like it handles the absurdity of what would happen if you would have a Godzilla going through the city is that the reality is that it doesn't have agency. It's not like here all of these movies are struggling to give this thing so much action. And it is like, no. Godzilla is not here because it's secretly protecting the world in a upside down universe called the hollow earth. It's not in cahoots with, with uh, King Kong or fighting all these other people. It's just a giant thing made from nuclear fallout that we were dumping into the ocean. And so now we have to deal with this problem of our own making. It has no agency. It ha doesn't want any to do anything, but very slowly walk across the earth. And there are all these buildings in its way. So it's knocking them over. And what do we do with it? I think Shin Godzilla is just, such a brilliantly real look at what would happen if this were to happen in real life in a way that none of the other movies handle. I'm worried about you again. And I'm worried <laughs> that we're going to find you in a basement with like strings attached to pictures, attached to other strings, attached to other pictures. This Shit is Godzilla the is the real Godzilla! This is the feeling I'm getting right now. And yes. I'm, I'm sending people to your home as we speak. Well, please do, because yeah. I think that Shin Godzilla solidifies Godzilla <laughs> as the ultimate winner in the battle. Godzilla versus Kong as franchises. <laughs> I say Godzilla takes the cake because of the original, because of like the big metaphor behind it, and because of Shin Godzilla, despite the 1998 <laughs> Broderick version. Abomination. That, abomination that really kind of held down the entire franchise, I think that it, it comes above with Shin Godzilla. I appreciate all the work you put into this, but I Thank feel you. like you've, you've not addressed the notion that if Godzilla and King Kong and Blade were in the <laughs> same room, who would be victorious? Well, I think it is interesting because I think as we see in Godzilla versus Kong, it really comes down to different strategies. I think on paper, Godzilla can shoot laser beams that burrow through the earth out of his, not only out of his mouth, out of his tail and his back. I think that definitely gives him an advantage here. But as we saw in Godzilla versus Kong, Kong's advantage is speed. He can just kind of like, he is much faster. And so it is and agile. Speed. And Agile, it is speed versus the natural gifts of Godzilla. I still think that Godzilla takes it because of the laser beam technology that he has. And that he, you know, I think the turtle strategy of like, you know, you can't harm Godzilla. He, like, he cannot, you cannot penetrate that. In the movie we just watched, I mean, they went, they had two rounds and like one was attributed to each. Yeah. You know, which fine, because I realize they're supposed to be on the same level. But the first round, King Kong whooped him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, whooped him good. And I feel like Godzilla is so, I mean, yeah, Godzilla is so uh, uh, slow and um, solid. Like, he doesn't move a lot. He doesn't have a lot of yeah, movable it's a, it's parts. It's a turtle strategy. If you had a, if you had a action figure of each, be a lot more points of articulation on on King on King Kong. But the That's things my... that do move are the lasers that come out of yeah, every the, part of his body. It would be great if you could move your neck around and shoot the laser. Then you could get a whole 360. You don't need to move your neck because you he's got to slowly move your body. That go out of his back. 
Yeah, that is weird. He's got that's, the back lasers. He doesn't need to move his head. That's the weirdest laser I've ever heard of that comes oh, yeah. out of your back. It's such multiple. a non-pinpoint like, type of an area. He's got like 10 of them that come out. <laughs> that's he's excessive. surrounded. All he's got to do excessive. is stand there and yeah. let King Kong move into the lasers. Well, King Kong, get, as we've just realized, wouldn't do that because he's very smart. And well, he's got a hatchet. I really like the addition of a magic hatchet. The magic hatchet definitely, like, <laughs> I was like, okay, that definitely, like, evens the playing field a bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> magic. If you also said there's a movie called Magic Hatchet and I knew nothing about it, I would also watch that movie. Yeah. Titles okay. are very important. We are going extreme. Oh, are we done now? Oh, well, you're done, so we're done? I'm done. I obviously, if we're going into what we've been watching, <laughs> yeah. uh, we just talked about I've only been watching Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I leave you the floor for what else you have been watching. Christopher, you can t- you can so finally talk in this podcast. Many table scraps given today. It's yes. delightful. Yes. You know, I haven't watched a lot of movies lately. Um, I you did could have been w- watching all these so we could talk about I them. could have, but I would never in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did watch a very weird and interesting movie called Magic. Oh. Just straight called Magic? Just straight up Magic. About uh, the card game? About the card game? game? Yeah, about the card game. No. Uh, it's a Richard Attenborough movie from 1978 uh, starring Anthony Hopkins as what? a... As a ventriloquist. What? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's such a weird little horror movie thriller. Oh my god! And I've never seen Anthony Hopkins in a movie like this, and I was unaware of this movie. 1978, Richard Attenborough directed. Um, he plays this uh, ventriloquist and a magician. He's like he's more of a magician, kind of not a great magician, but he gets this uh, puppet, and the, he adds his puppet to the act. And then it really takes off. He becomes this huge star. But as anyone with a puppet can tell you, you will go crazy. <laughs> yeah. When you so, have puppets in the movie, you know. Yeah. So I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a very weird but very enjoyable movie. And Margaret uh, plays the love interest. And she's actually really strange in it in a good way. But uh, wow. yeah, I, I, I highly recommend watching this movie if you want a little weird little shot of a weird movie. I will talk about briefly a movie I have not finished watching, <laughs> but I started watching uh, Ben Zeitlin's new, uh, not new movie. I think came out a couple years ago called Wendy. Uh, ben Zeitlin did Beasts of the Southern Wild, which is okay. a beautiful movie that I, I was very happy to see. And his uh, this movie Wendy is a, the Peter Pan story, but told from the perspective of Wendy, and also told in this very poetic beautifully photographed way i'm only halfway through with it um i watched it last night then i got sleepy because i'm just a little baby and i had to go to bed but uh, i can't wait to finish the rest of it because it's just such a lovely retelling of this story and in such an interesting way and these kids these kid actors are amazing and they have all these uh effects that are kind of uh cleverly done because i was like how do kids how do they get these kids to do all these jumping onto a moving train and that kind of stuff but it's very interesting so i highly recommend that okay godzilla versus kong this has been cinebuds cinebuds is edited by dj kenny perez good luck we get handcrafted sonic <laughs> inspiration from the license lab oh thank you our theme song is from brett newski he's the best we also get uh, support from Associated Bank. Thank you, Associated Bank. Thank you to our members from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. You're beautiful, and that's for sure. And uh, thank you to one person in particular for letting me talk for 50 <laughs> minutes of this one-hour podcast. Thank you for your John patience. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Thank, <laughs> thank you, you for your patience, Christopher Pollard. <laughs> oh, man. I am nothing if not patient. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't even listening. (laughs) That's the key. I did did have to, I just had to do some research (laughs) while you filled for time. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.